0: We asked earlier the question, what are we offering to God? Well, here's our answer. Am I or are you today, truthfully, are we offering to God spiritual sacrifices?
1: Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged challenged and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Lord, we
0: confess it's hard to hear you when we're listening to the outside noise. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray with a a fervor and a passion that you would Right now, would You speak? Would You speak and move in power? Would You grip, would You grab hold of our hearts today, our minds? Would You do so in such a way, O God, through the power of Your Spirit that that no matter what the enemy is trying to do in our personal lives, God, we we simply cling to the old rugged cross with a desperation we hang on to the victory of the empty tomb and so father as you speak in this time as we open your living breathing abiding word oh father i pray would you would you do so perhaps in a way that has never happened before in our lives as we renounce as we renounce everything in our lives right now as we yield everything to You and in total surrender. Oh, Father, I pray that you would, you would just do a work. Would You do a work in this room today? Would You do a work in my heart today? Would You do a work in our hearts today, O oh God? And so, Father, as we bless Your name. As we bow down before You. Would you bow your ear down to us to hear our cries, to hear our desperation, to hear our longing for you and your truth and the gospel? And so, Father, as you move me out of the way, God, I pray that we would only see you and help me to decrease while you increase, O oh God. Father, to You be the praise for what You're about to do in our hearts today. We give You the glory. We worship You. We worship Your Son, King Jesus. And we pray this in His mighty and in His matchless name. And all God's people said, Amen. Now take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, looking at two verses today, verses 4 and 5. As you're turning there, the title of the the message from God's Word today is uh, simply another question that we're asking ourselves. and We do this on purpose to uh, prayerfully get us to think. We uh, launch from a, a thought of... Uh, What is the Lord trying to do in my life? We launch from a thought of how can I be more like Jesus? We launch from a thought of, you know, I want to live every day with a passion. I I want to live every day on mission. I, I want to live every day to make a difference. So we ask this question what am I offering to God? What am I offering to God? And I know probably there are some that are thinking, oh, brother, here we go. Another message on money. No, quite the opposite. Uh, God's not interested in your checkbook. He's interested in your heart. Because once He has your heart, He'll have your checkbook. Uh, this is not about money. This is about a giving your life. And the reality is this. We are all offering something to someone or something. As I live my life, as you live your life, we are all offering Uh, Something to someone or something. The question today is as we uh, dive deep and very uh, profound introspection, I pray for me and for you. The question is, what am I? What are you? What are we offering to God, truthfully? Like, what are we giving to Him? Well, I believe today we will uh, see clearly from God's Word what we should offer to God. So, here in God's Word, I pray you have a Bible in front of you. If you don't, it's on the screen reading from the ESV translation here's what 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 5 says uh, this is the holy word of god verse 4 as you come to him very important a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of god chosen and precious you yourselves like living stones are being built up as what? A spiritual house. To do what? To be a holy priesthood. To offer what? To offer, here's our answer, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well you read those verses, and let me just let those kind of sit in for a moment and sink in and, and marinate into your mind and to your, to your heart and your soul as we, we think through, what am I offering to God? we know we're offering something to someone or something. The question, though, is what are we offering to God? Well, you remember from last week when we studied the preceding verses there in your Bible, verses 1 and 3 of chapter 2, that you saw very clearly that, again, Peter's writing this letter, and he's writing to uh, Jewish believers, yes, also some Gentiles mixed in for sure. And as you look at that, he's writing this letter. They've been persecuted. There's been some challenges and struggle because of the faith, because of the gospel. Uh, They're on the run. Many of them are. And what happens? He says, look, I want to make sure that you don't lose heart, but I want to make sure you don't forget the mission, I want to make sure that as you're living this gospel message, as you're you're going out and you're suffering greatly, and maybe that's your story today. Maybe your story today is because of the gospel, you're suffering greatly. Peter says, look, don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Keep dialed into the mission. But then all of a sudden in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, here's the deal, though make sure that you do what? You put away verse 1 there in your Bible, verse 1 of chapter 2. Put away. In other words, have nothing to do with, go kill it, mortify it, have nothing to do with this list of sin. But he's talking about sin in general. But he says these things, these five things. He says all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. And then he switches gears and he says, wait a minute, I want to make sure in the midst of your suffering that you don't miss this key point. I want to paint a picture. He says, like a newborn infant. That you don't have to tell it's time to eat. They're wham wham whamming all the way home, aren't they? Man, they're hungry, they're hungry, they're hungry. He says, like them, as you put away the sin begin to crave with a passion the pure spiritual milk, the Word of God, the truth of the gospel. Not watered-down stuff, not milky-toe stuff, not Humpty Dumpty Lucky Charm stuff. No, the pure spiritual milk of the gospel that's living, it's abiding, it's breathing, it will set your heart free today is what he's saying he paints this picture he sets this thing up so beautifully and as he does that he says what that by it that by the pure spiritual milk of god's word what's going to happen well look you may grow up into salvation the sanctification process for you that are a true believer today is ongoing change you're moving more towards christ and what happens in that process it's ongoing it's continual You've got to keep this very foundational in your mind. That as we continue each and every week to build a block. Today we're putting more blocks in the foundation, so to speak, in the bricks of the house. We're just we're building on this journey of studying First Peter. You've got to understand this is so clear that as we put away sin and we kill it, whatever it is in your life and my life that's not of the Lord, we simply renounce it, we want to put it to death, we go to war on it with a vengeance and a passion, and then what we do in that process, as we're submitting, we will grow and be sanctified into the salvation that is like nothing this world could ever give you. Because there in verse 3, he said, make sure you taste and see the Lord is good. And oh, by the way, once you've truly tasted the Lord, for you that have truly tasted the Lord, I'm talking about truly tasted. Not just like window shopping tasting, so to speak. I'm talking you've tasted the Lord. You get this next comment. You don't want to taste anything else. Like there's nothing else you want. For you that haven't truly tasted the Lord, the window shopping might go on for a really long time. And my prayer today is that if you haven't given your life to the Lord, you'll no longer window shop. You'll taste and see how good the Lord really is. Because then in verse 4, He then says this powerful phrase, as you come to Him. Just think through this whole thought. They're persecuted, discouraged, discouraged, Tempted to go this direction and that direction, Peter goes, Let me give you some truth here. Put away the sin and run hard after Jesus. Those are the cliff notes. And it's amazing because he says, As you come to him. Yes, it means to approach. That is a valid point. But it goes much deeper. When you study this phrase, this is what it means it means to abide in, to remain in continually. So, pause for a moment. Let this sink in. You've given your life to Christ. I pray everyone in the room has. If you haven't, my prayer today is that today will be the day of your rescue. For those that have, you've come to Him, but you don't go, glad I got that over with. This is continual, not for your salvation, but from your salvation. You've given your life to Jesus. You just don't go, okay, hey, that was great. Thanks for the fire insurance. Hey, I'm moving on to plan B. No, the whole point of offering your life to God is that your life is no longer your own. That's the war that's going on right now in so many people's hearts. They've made a profession of faith. The problem is, They've never given their life to Jesus. And of course, there's going to be a tug of war. There's this tug of war going on because all the external things happened. It felt really good on the outside, but there was just not any transformation. Peter says, look, as you come to Him, as you literally are abiding and remaining in, think about this. He said, look, kill the sin, slay it, just slay it every sin in my life and your life, and we're going to slay it. We're going to go to war against it. And as you're coming to Him, here's what I have learned in my life, and I'm sure many of you have as well, that the closer I get to Jesus, the more I see who I really am. The closer I get to light the more is revealed in my life that perhaps is still dark, that needs to be mortified and killed and crucified and brought under to submission to Him for His praise, for His glory. Question for me and you today, are we continually remaining abiding in the true vine Jesus? Is it a process throughout my day and your day that it's just an unbroken vertical fellowship all day long? Like all day long. It's just, I want to remain in. I want to abide in. Uh, The light, King Jesus Himself. Or is it one of these deals that we all struggle with? I know I do. Boy, you can kind of check off a box. You can read some Scripture. The busyness of the day begins to just press in from every angle. And before I know it, it's lunchtime. Before I know it, it's time to go home. And I look back on those hours and there hasn't been an abiding in Christ to be Truthful. See, this is so, so critical. Don't miss this. As you come to Him, as you abide in Him, what happens? Well, look at the next phrase. A living stone, describing Christ, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Isn't that glorious? I don't know about you, but at my house, there's not too many stones that are living. Kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? A living stone. What is a stone The boulder represents, when you think of that, strength, stability, foundational, solid, secure. Christ is a stone. Yes, He's our foundation. He's our surety. He's our anchor in the midst of the storm. That's how great our God is. But please understand this through the blood of Jesus Christ. He is not dead. He is fully alive. Amen? He's a living stone, not a dead stone. And in the midst of that livingness, if you will, there's also a different dichotomy that He's the living stone that what happens here was rejected by men. When you look at this and understand that that rejection is showing this being disapproved of, it's showing this being disallowed, it's showing a pushing against, a rebelling against, Christ, as you know, was rejected by men, and today He's still rejected by men. Those that are walking in darkness hate the light. Those that are walking for the path and the cause of the enemy hate the path and the cause of King Jesus. And what's very interesting, that when you study Scripture, that you look at this and you go back into that New Testament era there where Christ is walking on this earth, and who were His greatest enemies? Well, it was the poor people, Right? no oh that's right it was the down and outers the prostitutes the tax collectors right no who was it it was the religious elite right man they had everything figured out they were in the church house so to speak every day of worship they had all the rules and the regulations but their heart was far from him they knew all about him They just didn't know Him. Oh, it's so easy if we're not careful, church, to fall into this trap of unwittingly rejecting Jesus. You think through that thought that not only can we reject Jesus, but look at the flip side of this. When you give your life to Him, when you say, look, I'm all in for His glory, for His praise, it's all about Him, and all I want to do is live for Him every breath I got, People will reject you. People will reject you. I think we forget that, you know, we got one shot at this. There aren't any do-overs. We're not coming back as cows, I can assure you. Not happening. Uh, You got one shot. I got one shot at this. One. One. And once we step into eternity, it's over. Like it's over. Gone. Gone. I don't know about you, but man, I want to make it count. I want to make it count for today. I want to live every breath I have for the Gospel. I want to do everything I can in the midst of my struggles and my pain and my sin to to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I I want to make a difference. I was walking through a nursing home facility this past week and visiting someone and this was a fairly nice one often you walk through those facilities and you can just sense the stench of death to be blunt now, this was a very nice one but still as i walked through there and i saw uh, this man and this woman in their wheelchairs and as i was walking through there and you know, I said hello how you doing walking into the room i'm going to I, I couldn't help but you know i'm sitting there talking to this individual and this person smiling and rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of such such trial and I I thought to myself I thought the end is coming for all of us unless the Lord returns what am I doing today what am I doing now to make a difference as I thought through that process and that wheelhouse of of thought, I couldn't help but think of this verse. A living stone is one that says, man, I'm in it today. My life's no longer my own. I'm surrendering everything to Jesus. And oh, by the way, I already know it. I'm going to be rejected by men. And the beauty of that is you sign up on the front end knowing what you're signing up for and you go, hey, this is par for the course. It happened to Jesus, it'll happen to me. Uh, that way when you're in the midst of the struggle, even though the temptation is going to be to look for exit ramps, right? I'm going to get off this path. I man, you stay true to the call. You, just, you don't bend, you don't buckle, you don't break. You say, man, I'm all in it for God's glory. That thought was crystallizing in my mind because the good news... It's right there in that verse. Look what it says. But in the sight of God. Chosen and precious. <laughs> this is kind of one of those uh, you know, spoiler alert moments, right? Yeah. Spoiler alert moments. There it is. You look at it, go, wait a minute, just wait a minute, listen up, listen up, here it is. But in the sight of God, our audience of one, he's chosen and he's precious. I don't know about you but like that's a glorious statement for you today especially for the true believer and perhaps you're struggling today what a glorious reassurance that in the sight of God it doesn't matter what other people say man when you serve Jesus when you live for Jesus you're going to face difficulty it's just part of it but in the sight of God who is our true audience. Then we put blinders on in a healthy way. We press on for the Lord. And knowing this, that Jesus Himself was chosen and precious. That word precious is so, so deep. So many things in this life we can say are precious. When you study this word, it's very interesting. It means this to be prized. Maybe you have a precious possession. Maybe you look at your family as precious. Those are good, healthy things. But hear this clearly there is nothing as precious and as prized as the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you and I begin to live that truth, that the outflow of life is not what we can get from Jesus, but what can we give to him. We no longer say, God, what can you give me? But we say, God, what do you want from me what can i offer you today what can i do to help advance your kingdom what can i do to advance the gospel what can i do to serve what can i do to care that's a life that is fulfilled the selfish life is a life that you get to the end and no one's there at your bedside that's the selfish life but the life that says hey I want to be all in for Jesus as a life that just dies daily and gives everything away. And yes, you will be rejected. So I want you to write down key number one in your notes. Write this down. Key number one. Here it is. Those who truly give their lives to Jesus or to Christ, like Him, will be made alive, but will also be rejected by men. Write this down. Key number one those who truly it's not false it's not phony it's real those who truly give their lives to christ like him will be made alive he is living today but that person those people will also be rejected hated by men welcome to the reality of the christian walk so many times people aren't told this reality and I believe that's one of the main drivers on why we see so many people that are falling away from the faith. You know, it felt good. It was exciting. It was fun. Had a bad week. and it's, I love going there because, man, I, you know, I don't have to deal with my sin. And yet the reality when you see this and understand this is there's a true surrender. And through that true surrender, when you think through that thought, there are two extremes. Think about this for a moment. So for you that have truly given your life to Christ, there are two extremes. One extreme is this, you've been made alive. And there's nothing greater, amen. For you today that have given your life to Christ, you've been made alive. You have been brought from the dead. You are now living and breathing as the Holy Spirit abides, remains in you. You are living out the gospel. That is a beautiful, glorious statement that you want to hang your hat on all the days of your life. But here's the other extreme. You will be hated and you will be rejected. Why? Well, think about this. If you are truly living out the gospel in your life and you're in a world where there are many people that hate the gospel, at some point, there's going to be a confrontation. Some point. So what do you do? Do you give up? No. Do you bend? Do you buckle? Do you break? No. I mean, you dive in deeper. You love more. You serve more. You share more. You just continue to be more like, Jesus is what you do. I know you're probably wondering as we think through this thought, just like Jesus was rejected. Think about this Christ was rejected. I can reject Christ and be accepted by the world. That is an option. That's an option we could do. Or here's the better option, the best option. We can do what? We can accept Christ and be rejected by the world. Now, prayerfully, here's the prayer that as you accept Christ, as you give your life to Him, total surrender, total commitment, prayerfully as you do that, as I do that, that people around you that hate Jesus, they will see Christ in you, the hope of glory as the Word of God just dwells in you richly. And prayerfully, at some point, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that person who's walking in darkness will see the light that you're shining. And at some point, typically I see a lot of brokenness in this process, but typically at some point in the brokenness... Sirens are going to go off in their mind and they're going to go, I don't know what you got, but I know this. I want what you have. What a powerful testimony to the gospel. So what does the Scripture, what would the Scripture say about Christ being rejected? Think about this. John 1. Write this down. John 1, verses 9 through 13. I write these supporting verses down because just like Jesus rejected same time chosen, same time precious in the sight of God. You know, when the truth is on the table, it always divides the room, always. But don't forget, you, the true believer, you have the living hope within you. Not a dead hope. The most precious, prized, living hope you can think of. Jesus Christ, by the power of His Holy Spirit, lives with inside you, the true believer. There's nothing greater. So what does John tell us? Well, let's look here together. John chapter 1, 9 through 13. Listen to this. Powerful, powerful reminder. The true light, not the false light. Satan, he masquerades as a cosmopolitan of light, is what the Bible says. He looks so good. He's not the little guy in the red suit, funny eyebrows, funny ears, pitchfork, tail. That's not the devil. He masquerades. He looks like truth. He's so close to it, but he's far from it. The true light, not the false lights out there. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, referring to Christ. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. Listen to this. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Do you see the rejection? His own people say, we want nothing to do with this man. But, verse 12 all but to all who did receive him who believed who committed who surrendered who said we're all in for you for all of those who believed in his name he gave he gave the right to do what to become children of god who were born Here we go again. This being alive, this being born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Church, do you see the beauty and the potency in these words? When you stand for Christ, you are made alive. When you stand for Christ, you will be rejected. How about John chapter 12? John chapter 12, 9 through 11. Listen to what happens to flesh this out even deeper about being rejected for Christ. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of Him, but also to see Lazarus, why? Whom He had raised from the dead. Now, that would be something pretty cool to see, wouldn't it? Verse 10, so the chief priests, the religious people of the day, all the people that had all the head knowledge but they hated Jesus. What happens? Well, they made plans. They began to scheme. Scheme to do what? To put Lazarus to death as well. Think about that. I mean, just marinate on this. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Why? Why? Why are they trying to put this guy to death? Well, look at the verse, verse 11. Because on account of him, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and committing, surrendering, being all in for Jesus. Wow. Did you catch that? Because on account of Lazarus, who was just raised from the dead, and now he's a living, breathing testimony of the power of this Jesus who is called the Christ, the religious people who hate Jesus go, wait a minute, we not only want to kill Jesus, let's kill everyone that's leading people to Jesus that's the power of the gospel it's so powerful to save and to redeem but the power greatly infuriates those who are walking in darkness on account of him would that be my testimony today and your testimony would we be guilty that on account of me on account of you many people are coming to know this jesus who is called the christ oh i pray that for my life today i pray that for your life I pray for every life here today that on account of us many people are surrendering and turning their lives to Christ by our power not a chance but through Christ who lives within us the people see our good works and they begin to glorify our father who's in heaven and they go I don't know what you have but I know I want what you have tell me about this Jesus who is called the Christ that would be my prayer for me and you today So what about our last verse under this first section, John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19? Write that down. Jesus speaking here. Listen to what he says. If the world hates you, know. Very key word there. It means intimacy. It means that there's a perceiving to such the intent that there's no doubt. If the world hates you, know. Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you. I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I think this is one of the biggest challenges going on in our country today across the American church is we got way too many people that are still way too in love with the world. And Jesus is like, look, you're either for me or against me. You're either all in or you're all out. Christ came for the purpose of not rationalizing and justifying my sin. Not partially freeing me from my sin. He came for the purpose of setting me, setting you totally free from the grip and the dominion of sin that we would see clearly through His lens, His perspective, the gravity and the weight of my sin and your sin. And we would look at that and say, I no longer want to go back there. And it's just too easy in our culture that promotes and celebrates non-commitments. A culture that celebrates and endorses the things that are not of the Lord but of God. It's just too easy to get sucked back in. Oh, I pray that we'd be a people that understand so deeply that we will be made alive through the living, breathing stone, Jesus himself, but will also be rejected. But don't forget this, church. I want to make sure you hear this clearly. In the midst of the struggle, so maybe you're here today and maybe you are exactly this person. You are all in for Jesus and you are taking a beating from the people around you because you're all in for Jesus. Let me encourage you. The Bible says this, that God is the lifter of our heads. Do you know what that means? Think about this. When, when I'm discouraged or you're discouraged, what typically happens to our chin? It usually takes a rest on our chest, doesn't it? I get discouraged. You get discouraged. And we begin to look down. Ever been around a child or even an adult who's discouraged and their chin begins to go down? And what happens when you come alongside them and you just gently put your palm under their chin and slowly begin to lift up their chin? Now imagine that to the infinite spiritual degree that in the midst of the struggle that you perhaps are walking through today, that you're living for Christ and everywhere around you, you're being beaten like a human pinata. You think you're in a spiritual bounce house. And then God comes along and He just begins to gently lift your head. That's the great encouragement of our God who is not dead but is fully alive. Amen? I want us to think about verse 5, our last verse. I mean, look at this verse 5. Peter fleshes out this concept Of being chosen and precious in the sight of God. And then he says this, he makes it very, very personal. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but Peter often makes a statement, and then typically the next statement undergirds, fleshes out, unpacks the first statement. So in verse four, he made this glorious statement, and now he begins to unpack, and he says this, make it personal. You yourselves, verse five says, so you yourself. You yourselves, like, okay, wait a minute, he's gonna give another illustration, like what? Living stones. I think we've heard this before, haven't we? Isn't this interesting? For the one who gives their life to Christ, we partake, as just not joint heirs in that, but we partake in that life as far as, hey, wait a minute, Christ, man, he exudes all these glorious attributes. And for the true believer, man, we partake as we go on this journey, we can begin to walk in love. We can begin to walk in holiness. We can begin to walk in forgiveness. We partake in these things. The living stone that the builders rejected, who is Christ, He's living, He's not dead. For the true believer, we are living stones. We are living for the true believer. We are not dead. And as you process this, He says, you. I don't know if we think about this church often like we should but we the true believers have a direct union with Christ the beauty of the blood of Christ is that the old system of the priest has now been obliterated when that veil was torn that we now have direct access to the father We have a straight shot to the Father through the royal righteous blood of King Jesus. And as we go about our day walking in that glory, who the Son sets free is no longer enslaved, but church, they are free indeed. Amen? Powerful thought as you look at verse 5. Because here's the deal. What's happening? Look at verse 5 for just a moment your Bible. Look at this. Don't miss this there's something happening here. You yourselves, like living stones, are, are what? Being built up as a spiritual house. Do you see that? This is what's happening. You're being built up. The foundation of your life, both personally and corporately, is growing for the true believer. Now, don't miss this a true believer begins to grow in the knowledge and the work and the person of Jesus Christ on a daily basis as they're pursuing personal holiness. As that one person begins to go on that journey, imagine if another person says, you know what, I'm into. And now you got two people on that journey. So as Peter is talking here and he's saying, you are being built up there are two relationships to that meaning. Number one is this, make it personal. But number two, you've got to remember who he's writing to. He's writing to a group of people. So as you and I prayerfully today are saying, you know what, we're driving a stake in the ground. Like, I'm no longer surrendering some. That song is no longer in the hymnal. I'm surrendering all. As we give our life to Christ all the days of our lives and we just lay everything on the altar for Him, here's what happens when one person does that and then another person does that and another person does that and another person does that, person does that we've got a domino effect going. You bring all those people together under one roof. Watch out, Chester, Virginia. Here comes the revival. Amen? That's the power of the gospel. We are being built up. The true believer, when it's true, when it's not false, you are being built up into a spiritual house. Why? Why? Why are you being built up, the true believer, into a spiritual house? Is it to be a country club? No. Is it just to check off boxes? Hey, I haven't been here in several weeks, so let me just check off a box to feel better. Is that the reason? No. Here are two reasons right here in the verse. Number one is to be something. To be what? A holy priesthood. Do you see this? So there's two reasons. To be something and then to do something. To be a holy priesthood. Holy, set apart. Priesthood. You said, wait a minute, I thought that was over. There's a direct shot to the Father through Jesus. Amen. We often talk about the priesthood of the believer. What does that look like? Well, again, we have this direct access to God. And now, the true believer in Christ, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to have given your life to Jesus. I, I pray we never miss this. I think there's so many people that are totally missing this. The greatest thing that you can do is not get that car or that house or that bank account or the sailboats or the condo or whatever you're looking to do. The greatest thing you can do and must do is give your life to Christ. There's nothing greater. And when you begin to understand what you've been brought from, and this is where this is where the whole narrative goes off the wheels. It just goes off the wheels, it goes off the tracks. So many people don't understand what they've been saved from. When you really understand what you've been saved from, you never want to go back. Why would anyone in their right mind want to go back? You've been now made alive. Why do you want to go back to death? You now have been pulled from the muck and the mire. You've been pulled from darkness and now you're in light. Why would you want to go back to darkness? Not a true conversion. This is the beauty and the power of the rescue story called the gospel. And when you and I think through this and we process this in such a way that we understand that, look, we are saved not to go, glad I got that over with. No, we are saved to be something and to do something. Like God expects us to be something and He expects us to go do something. To be those priests that are set apart, trusting in the blood of Christ, privileged, not in a hoity-toity privilege. No, In in a broken privilege. I can't believe that He saved me. I can't believe he rescued me oh Jesus I feel guilty for saying I'm accepting you because Jesus I want you to accept me that's the humility that will be in that person that God wants us to be and we have that direct access but they're also think about this is also to do something and what does it say in your Bible (laughs) to be a holy priesthood that's the to be something but here's the to do something to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We asked earlier the question what are we offering to God? Well, here's our answer Am I or you today, truthfully, are we offering to God spiritual sacrifices? There's an old question that's been asked over the years, and it would go something like this Does it hurt to give? Often that's in relationship to financial matters, but again, God doesn't want your checkbook, He wants your heart. And once He has your heart, He'll have your checkbook. But is it hurting me and hurting you to give today to the Lord? Like right now, what in your mind's eye? perhaps it's the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to give this to me. Like you're hanging on to this, and it actually right now is a stumbling block between me and you. Typically the very thing we hang on so desperately to is the one thing that's hindering us from God. And perhaps right now He's speaking to my life and your life saying, that's it. I want you to give that to me. Like the rich young ruler, right? He was rich, he was young, he was a ruler. He had it all going on, didn't he? come to Jesus and hey what do I need to do almost like we're playing a you know a game here what do I need to do well keep all these commandments Jesus says I, I've already done those liar liar pants on fire but Jesus knew his heart and so Jesus dove deeply into the very thing that was most important to him And he said look do this give away all that you have and come follow me And the Bible says this, that the rich young ruler went away sad. Why? Because the cost was too high. See, for so many people that even sit inside churches all across our country, the reality is the cost is too high. There's such this dire need to stay in control when the Bible screams, turn over control. What are we being? What are we becoming? And then secondly, what are we doing? Are we truly offering spiritual sacrifices? Which is so interesting because that word here means this. It means to actually lay on an altar. That's what offer means, to lay on an altar. So today, what am I laying on the altar? And by the way, are we just laying on the altar those things that really aren't important to us? Those are the easy things to sacrifice, aren't they? Let's see, what can I give God today that I don't really need? (laughs) Can I go run in your garage, rummage around? Here, God, take this. Leave me alone until I need something and I'll call you. No, it means literally just to offer up with a joyful humility, just to lay on the altar. And the greatest thing that I can lay on the altar today and that you can lay on the altar today is your life. Just crawl upon there today, and and it's the one decision you'll never regret. There's a whole bunch of other decisions you're going to regret in life. I can assure you, you will not have buyer's remorse. I can promise you this. When you give your life to Jesus, and you're all in for His glory, you're not going to get to the end going, man, that was a waste of time. You're going to get to the end going, oh, man, my life has been fulfilled. It was hard, and it was difficult, and I was alive, but I was also rejected. But I was all in for Jesus to go make a difference. I mean, do you really think on that day when we stand face-to-face with Jesus and every person that's ever lived is going to stand face-to-face with Jesus? Either beam a seat or great white throne judgment. Every person will stand in front of Jesus. And do you think He's going to look at me and go, John, I don't know what you were thinking, but man, you were just way too committed. You were just way over the top. You should have backed off on this thing, slacked off. I don't know what you were thinking, but you were just way too all in. No. I already know. There's been so many times where I haven't been committed, and I've been lukewarm, and I've been apathetic and indifferent, and I'm going to give an account for those things. Oh, I pray for me and you today. We have a choice, we're still alive. We, We can change the narrative now. We can be all in if we want to. What are we being? What are we doing? Are we looking to be accepted by the worlds? Or accepted by God? So many people today are looking for affirmation in all the wrong places. But if I can just be accepted, and that whole ideology will lead me and you to do things that are really, really stupid. What can I do to be accepted by the crowd? When for the true believer, our goal is to be accepted by the audience of one. What can I do to please you that are pleasing to you is what the Bible says right here? Look at that there in verse five. To offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable, that's, they're well received, they're approved. To who? To the world? No. To your business partners? No. To your family? No. To God? Because again, everything's an outflow. When you and I begin to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God, everyone else will take care of themselves. And yet we still will be rejected at times by men. But how do we do this? Well, what's the last phrase say in verse 5? Through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ is the mediator. He's the one true mediator. There is sin and there's holy God. And the only way that you and I can be brought into right relationship, right fellowship, is through the royal righteous blood of King Jesus. He's the one that goes in the gap. That's what a mediator does, right? A mediator goes in the middle. There's party one over here and party two over here. A mediator comes in the middle and brings the two together. That's exactly what the blood of Jesus did for the true believer that here we are in our sin and our shame and our baggage and the strongholds in our lives, and we give our life to Christ, and He says, You know what? I'm going to cast your sin as far as the east, as to the west. You're going to bear it no more because, as the song says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, it is well with our soul. My sin, not in part, but the whole. Have you thought about that thought? My sin, not in part, not partially, but the whole. Has been nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is well with our soul. There is nothing greater than having the blood of Jesus wash over your life. And that's why what we become will dictate what we do. What we become will dictate what we do. It's all an outflow. When we answer what we are becoming, we will then land on what we're doing. Just think on that for a moment. When we answer what we're becoming, we will easily connect the dots to what we're doing. If we're really not living for the Lord, if we're just partially in, if we're not committed, if we're not surrendered, we'll be living a life that gives evidence of that. The two go hand in hand. That's why our last key is this. Key number two, write it down. Here it is. Key number two those who truly give their lives to Christ like Him will desire to be an offering of spiritual obedience. Key number two those who truly give their lives to Christ like Him will desire to be an offering of spiritual obedience. I was thinking through that thought earlier this week and I asked myself, I said, so why the struggle then? Why the struggle? Why are so many people struggling right now with just giving their life to Jesus? Well, number one, we know that there is the force of darkness out there that is doing everything in its power to blind and deceive people into truly coming to know this Jesus who is called Christ. We know that to be true. But I believe one of the ways this plays out, you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And you think about the Garden of Eden, and there the enemy is himself, the devil. And his approach was not, hey, come glorify me. His approach was not worship me. His approach was not bow down before me. His approach was simply this, playing off the human desire to be in control. He goes, hey, if you do this, you will be like God." Ooh, that's music to our ears, isn't it? I believe one of the greatest struggles right now across our country is just this insatiable desire to be in control. Well, if I give my life to Jesus, I'm no longer in control. That's a true statement, but here's another statement. Now your life will finally no longer be out of control. But it's just the blindness and deceitfulness of sin that just is leading so many people my heart just weeps and it breaks for those that just continue to rebel and resist the glorious power of king jesus so what do we do how do we live out this key to those who truly give their lives to christ like him will desire to be an offering of spiritual obedience. Write down Romans 12. Write these supporting verses down. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Listen to what the Word of God says. Here's Paul. Listen to his passion. Just listen to this. I appeal to you. You can just hear it in his voice. I appeal to you. He's went through so much, so many hardships and trials, and he's just like, Man, I'm laying it all on the line for the gospel, and I appeal to you right now. I appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to do something, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Just present, like right now, maybe for you that haven't done this, this is your time, just right now, just hold out your palms and say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want to present my life to you as, as a living sacrifice, not a dead one, but I'm going to present it right now to you. Here's my life. And yet there's going to be a war going on, isn't there? This war for control. Control of my life, control of my schedule. But it will finally set your life into a motion that is no longer out of control. Living sacrifice, chapter twelve, verse one, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what spiritual worship. Have we heard these before from first Peter? It's amazing. You got Peter writing, you got Paul writing, and this just always amazes me. I shouldn't be, but how God connects the dots through his word. Do you see the similar messages, the parallels of a life that's holy, that's acceptable? And the only way we can do this, church, is by the power of the Holy Spirit. If I or you try to live this life on our own, we will fail. Matter of fact, we're dead in the water before we start. The only way this can happen is by the illumination of power of the Holy Spirit as He works in my heart, as He breaks through my stony, resistant, rebellious heart. What happens? Well, look there in verse 2. Do not be, what? Conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't be conformed, be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. There's that word. Perfect. See, our minds have to be renewed. I was just reminded about this just this morning of how I have to train my mind. My mind is so weak at times. There's times where something comes into my life and if I'm not careful I can easily move away from the Lord. I can get enamored with perhaps a trial or a discouragement and my mind is just working overtime. I have to train my mind. How do we train our minds? We go Colossians chapter 3. We set our gaze, we set our minds on things above, not on things of this earth. Why? Because you have died. And now your life has been hidden with Christ. Oh, so many people are trying to live a life that is alive in Christ, but they've never spiritually died to themselves yet. Oh, we must train our minds, must be renewed if we're going to key number two desire to be the offering of spiritual obedience. That's why we must be under the Word, submitting to the Word. Every Sunday that we're not under the Word, you never get those Sundays back. You never get them back. They're gone. And now we're just one step closer to staying out from under. And again, it goes back to this control thing, doesn't it? Well, I don't want someone telling me what to do, so I don't want to be under the control. But the reality is, when we're under the control, that's where we thrive. That's where we grow. Under the joyful submission of the Word of God. Why? Because we know this, it's the truth that will set us free. Not our hobbies, not our longings of the world, those are all good in and of themselves. But if those have taken over our lives, well, I pray that the Holy Spirit will show us to get back on the right path. Think about this, Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. And here's five of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. It is no longer I. Wow. It's no longer I. See, when we're really crucified, the natural byproduct and outflow is it's no longer about me, it's no longer about you. And what a spiritual tug of war so many people are enslaved to today. They've claimed to have given their life to Christ, it's not real there's not any fruit that gives evidence and there's a whole bunch of selfishness and james has told us that where there's selfishness where there's envy there's going to be confusion and every evil thing will be there oh church do you see how important this is that we make our lives an offering to god what am i what are you right now offering to god i pray we'll be like paul It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith. How do I do this? In the Son of God. What did He do for me? He loved me and He gave Himself for me. Oh, church, how can anyone, how can anyone in their right mind who understands the concept of an eternal rescue, true salvation, where He's given His life, He's given His life, how can you and I truly look at that and say, I don't need to give Him anything that's a life that doesn't understand the rescue and the gospel so what do we do well how about hebrews chapter 13 last verse write this down hebrews 13 15 through 16 hebrews 13 15 through 16 listen to the word of god through him let us continually there it is ongoing offer up put on the altar right now a sacrifice what's a sacrifice well, the word means victim, not victim as in the flavor of our day-to-day where everyone's a victim. Victimology, that's the doctrine of the day, isn't it? No matter what goes on in my life or your life, we're all victims, just blame somebody else. That's what our culture endorses. No, the victim here is one that's innocent. Christ was the greatest victim. He got nailed to a cross. He did nothing wrong. No deceit was found in His mouth. He had zero sin, and yet He gave His life. He willingly shed His blood that whoever believes intellectually, but it goes much deeper, whoever surrenders their life and commits their life to Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is so glorious, isn't it? Let us offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect, do good, and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing, are acceptable to God. And as you think through this thought, you've got to remember that partial surrender of church is not true surrender. If we say we're partially in, we're really totally out. Christ is not only the living stone, but for those who have surrendered their lives to Him, He is our living hope. Amen? I love that song. And it goes something like this, Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my cross and bear my shame. The cross is spoken. I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body, Jesus, began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, the grave has no claim on me. Oh yes, Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You, Jesus, have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Praise be to Jesus, amen. The roaring lion, I love that, declared the grave has no claim on me. When you give your life to Christ, and it's real and it's true, you are now alive, but you will be rejected. What are you offering to God today? Like right now, what are you really giving to Him? What are you laying on the altar for God today? Is it hurting to give? Or take away question, ask it like this. Write this down. Do I long to be an offering to God and be conformed to the image of Christ? Think about that question. Do I long to be an offering to God and be conformed to the image of Christ? Do you long for that? Like right now, are you long and saying, Lord, I I just long to be an offering to You. Everything I do and say and go and think, I want it to be of you. And that's why our action steps are the same as last week. We're going to continue to reinforce these. So here's the action steps as we pursue this personal holiness we've been talking about now for weeks. Again, very simple personal and holiness. Don't overcomplicate it. It's personal, it's real, it's true to you, to me. Holiness, we're set apart. We will now live and conduct our lives as a direct reflection of our rescue. So here's question number one. It's in your bulletin. I pray that you put this somewhere, that you don't throw it away, but you, you put it somewhere. I can't ask you to do something I'm not willing to do, and so I have five of these, and we'll print as many as you need. I have five of these. I got one in my Bible, one in my office here, one in my office at home. I got one. Everyone has a favorite chair at your house. Don't lie. Amen? I got one, it's taped, right next to the favorite chair. I got one right there, and I got one right here in front of me. I want to keep this list in front of me everywhere I go. Why? Because my flesh is weak. I want to keep this in front of me because I want personal holiness. I, as your pastor, crave this. So question number one, do I thirst for God? Do you thirst for God today? Truthfully, do you thirst for Him? Many people don't. But do you? Do you? Do you thirst for God? By the way, if if you thirst for God, this is very cool. If you thirst for God, you will also thirst for the things of God. It's really cool how that works. When you thirst for him, you will now thirst for the things of him. So many people don't thirst for the things of God, and we all scratch our heads, and you begin to go back upstream, and you realize, well, they're not thirsting for God. When you thirst for God, there will be an outflow. This whole list is an outflow of number one. Number two. Am I governed increasingly by God's word? Do I joyfully submit to God's word? Do I love it? Did you come here today and, and go, man, I, I'm going to put my napkin in and I got my fork and my knife and I'm getting ready to feast on the most glorious meal? Or do we just kind of, well, that was nice. I appreciate you passing on some information. Do you thirst for God? Are you governed? Increasingly by God's word. Number three, am I more loving? A person who thirsts for God will be more loving. Number four, am I more sensitive to God's presence? Think about that. If we really believed Christ in us, the hope of glory lived inside of us, would you and I do and think what we do? If we really believed that. But secondly, the power of his presence. There's power in the presence of God. Number five, do I have a growing concern for the spiritual and temporal needs of others? Looking out for your neighbor. Number six, do I delight in the bride of Christ? It's the church. Do you delight in the bride of Christ? Are you plugged in? Are you committed to be here? Are you serving somewhere? Do you delight in the church? Jesus is coming back for His church, not His buildings, His people. Do you delight in His people? Do you delight serving His people? Do you delight being a a missionary from His people to the people of the world? Do you delight in the church? Number seven, are the spiritual disciplines increasingly important to me? Reading Scripture, meditating on Scripture, prayer. On and on we go. Are these important or are we just too busy? Number eight, a powerful one, do I still grieve over sin? That one alone will set the revival into motion. You get a bunch of people who are just weeping and grieving over personal indwelling sin. And watch what God will do. Number nine, am I a quicker forgiver? Just not a forgiver, but a quicker. You know, the longer we allow bitterness to set in, the deeper it sinks its claws into us, doesn't it? am I a quicker forgiver? And number 10, do I yearn for heaven and to be with Jesus? I know I do. I can't wait to be with Jesus. It would be awesome if right now we could hear the trumpets, wouldn't it? What a day that's going to be. Free from this world, free from these bodies of death. No more sin, no more pain, no more shame. Oh, I yearn to be with Christ. And I pray you do too. Question, church, as we close. What are you offering to God? Right now, what is it the Lord's saying? I want that from you. I want you to give it to me. And as in obedience, you give it to me. Watch me work. Watch me do something in your life. Watch me set you free. God doesn't bless disobedience. He blesses obedience. Oh, I pray you and I will become the living stones that Christ has called us to be. Amen. Father, we come before You as we lift up Your name, we lift up Your Word. Oh God, we come before You in in humility and repentance, brokenness, contrition. Father, we just pray that as You speak in this time, God, don't allow us to resist. Don't allow us to rebel. Father, I pray that In this moment of of reflection, this moment of perhaps heart surgery for some of us. Holy Spirit, as you're speaking and moving and stirring and wooing, just don't allow us, Lord, to resist. We got one shot at this. Father, I pray every person across the room today is all in. Father, would you speak to us right now? Would you speak to me? Would you speak to each person individually? Would you show us what we're not offering to you that you direly desire for us to do? Lord, I pray if there's one here today that's never given their life as an offering, And I pray today will be the day. Maybe there's one here that has just simply said the words but never truly given their life to you. Holy Spirit, would you move in that heart right now? Would you grip and grab hold of like only you can? Father, for the one here today that's living in disobedience, who's uncommitted, To pray, would you just move and stir? Oh Lord, would you just do something in this place today?
1: You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend This Day in the Word.